Welcome to the Ernie Chan Show. Hey, hey, welcome back for another week of the Ernie Chan Show Live. You have been watching every single week and I thank you for coming onto my show live every single Thursday at 12.30. And of course, if you just got into the show right now, it's going out live. Please do tag, share, send me some love, send me some likes and continuously be sharing so that more people can gain from my guests today. As you know, the Ernie Chan Show, every single Thursday, we bring on very successful key opinion leaders, movers and shakers, business owners, entrepreneurs that are still doing it. And of course, you still see another individual here right next to me. As usual, you know, they are young, talented and of course, they are hungry for success. And of course, they are entrepreneurs who are doing it and also have a story to tell. So ladies and gentlemen, you just got onto the show over here. You will see a young man sitting next to me and be wondering who is this young man over here. Sometimes, just like me, we look young but we're not that young. We are a little bit more seasoned, just well maintained. You have just come onto the Ernie Chan Show live. This is live 12.30 every single Thursday where I bring on talented multiple streams of talents of speakers and also personalities that we can share with you their stories. And today, if you're just joining us, remember to tag, share, get as many people to come online so that they can listen to this story over here, right? So let me introduce to you the gentleman who's sitting next to me over here today. He is none other than the brand that you probably have seen, heard, and tasted his brand of food. It is Myodong, Myeongdong Topoki. And of course, he is the founder, CEO, Vincent Lua. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Vincent Lua over here. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for coming onto the show, Vincent. Thank you. Thank you did for inviting. Did I say correctly, Myeongdong? Yeah, exactly. Myeongdong, right? Yeah. right? It's uh, Myeongdong Topoki. Myeongdong Topoki. Yeah. And of course, my understanding of Myeongdong being in Korea before is a place, is a street that is famous for fashion and food. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And of course, you pick that name up very similar like Taiwan. They have uh, the Shilin street snacks and this would be Korean street <laughs> snacks, right? Yeah. All right, very good. So. Let's uh, let the people here get to know you a little bit better. I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay, sure. You have to choose one of the two options. Right. You cannot say, no, those are not my options, or <laughs> uh, I want to choose both. You have to pick one of the All two. Right. All right? So let's go with the first question. First question is uh, nasi lemak or chicken rice? Nasi lemak. He is definitely just like all our other entrepreneurs, a true Malaysian who likes his nasi lemak. And let's figure out whether he likes his nasi lemak more or his topoki more, right? <laughs> and of course, the second question is, business or holiday? Business. Business. You like business, yeah. huh? Why? Huh? You don't like to go holiday with your family, your wives? Uh, as an entrepreneur, when we went for holidays, right, we felt uh, pretty stressed out because we'll be thinking a lot of things, uh, what's happening and going on in our companies and the things that we're going to solve. So it's not really that relaxing for us. I see, so it's <laughs> not very relaxing to go on a holiday. Yeah? <laughs> but that's what the holiday is for, right? It's yeah. for you to get relaxed, enjoy yourself uh, that, so that you that's free true. your mind. There's ones that uh, when I went to Phuket, right, uh, and I sit on the beach uh, at, the, at the hotels and I, I look at the seaside, then I, I, I doesn't feel the calm, I feel the stress because I'm out of sickness and I don't know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so you feel more stress going on a holiday. Yeah. Uh, that, that's usually how entrepreneurs, some yeah. entrepreneurs actually feel that. Yeah. Uh, I believe you are one of those in those categories, yeah, right? Probably. Yeah. So yeah. the third and final question, family or friends? 
family. 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 Why did you choose family? Why is family more important than friends? Uh, because I'm a married person and I have uh, sure. two kids already. Sure. And uh, it's my duty to take care of my family. And of course, uh, friends, uh, we do hang around and uh, chit-chat and share our inside news and everything. But it's our duty to take care of our family. So family first yeah, without family any hesitation, yeah. right? <laughs> Alright, maybe I should ask you the fourth question. Usually I don't do this, but because <laughs> you come with this uh, topoki. So topoki or chicken rice? I would say topoki. Topoki or nasi lemak? <laughs> Nasi lemak. Nasi lemak. Yeah. Oh, more than topoki. Because uh, nasi lemak is our national dish and I uh, pretty eat it uh, almost uh, daily. So would that yeah. be a topoki nasi lemak combination? Yeah, we, we had it. We launched it uh, back uh, three years ago. Three so, years ago. It's called nasi lemak topoki. I see. Yeah. So you actually serve the topoki with the nasi lemak. Yep. Right. Okay. Now going back a little bit to who you are and where you came from, uh, okay. Vincent. I understand that you are a former banker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so how in the world did you get into a boring career like a banker <laughs> to move into something a little bit more sexy and uh, exciting called F&B? So where did that come from, this banking industry? Okay, uh, by right I was uh, studying uh, mechanical engineering okay. but I did not graduate from that so I switched to finance and management. So from there I ventured into a couple of fields and at that time when I graduated was a crisis at 2008. There was a subprime crisis. Okay. I, w I went to uh, a lot of places for interviews, even at Singapore, looking for jobs as a teacher. Sure. And they, they, the teacher looked at me straight and said, uh, you, do you doesn't look like a teacher. Okay. Yeah, you'll be, you, won't, you won't succeed on that. <laughs> you won't succeed because you probably quit, is that right? Uh, yeah, that's why. So okay. I, I, after that, I went for a couple of other interviews and I landed at a bank job. Okay. And as a relationship manager. Okay. Doing uh, sales? Doing sales, doing sales. It's, it's quite an interesting job uh, because uh, it really polishes you, uh, the, the guidance from the banks and uh, the classes they, they guide you. It, it, because in entrepreneur, right, it's all about sales. Sure. And all about, about things you are selling. So from there, I learned a couple of uh, skill sets that prepare me for today. So you're saying that a lot of entrepreneurs who want to start a business must have the first skill of all entrepreneurs is learning how to sell. Yeah. <laughs> so are you a good salesman? I definitely need to be a salesman. <laughs> you definitely need to be a salesman. Yeah. And can you say that uh, to become a successful entre entrepreneur, mm -hmm. you will need to have the fundamental skill, you need to be one and you need to be good at selling? Yes. I so say that. a lot of entrepreneurs... It's one of the skills. One, one of the skill sets. I see. Yeah, okay. Sets, yeah. Do you think that uh, you did very well as a banker and then I understand that mm -hmm. from banking, you actually set up a series and probably the largest chain of fitness center in Sarawak? Okay, uh, regarding the fitness center, we set up uh, three branches uh, fitness center and it's the largest in Miri. What's the name of but it? I've uh, sold it already. I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, Easy Health Fitness. Easy Health Easy Fitness. Fitness. After we sold it, we get the funds, then we invest it into uh, F&B. I see. Yeah, from there. So yeah. how did you get into the fitness business? I myself, uh, I'm a very uh, athletic person when I was young in the 20s. I, I played badminton, uh, Muay Thai and uh, swimming. And, I see. Yeah. So from, from there, I, I venture into fitness because it's more of a me thing. Uh, then, but when I, when I look at fitness line to expand it, right, it's not that easy because in fitness, you do not have something like that is uh, your specialty. Sure. Yeah, so it, it's not that easy for, for expansion throughout the world, especially if competitors like Anytime Fitness sure. and Fitness First. Sure. Right. So from there, I venture into something which we can be really dominating in Southeast Asia region and also towards the other countries. I see. That's yeah. a very 
business entrepreneurial thinking, the way yeah. you are talking, right? <laughs> very much of a business-minded person. <laughs> now, it was very much uh -huh. of a meeting, uh -huh. and your name, your last name, Lua. So I suppose uh -huh. you're a Sarawak kid? Uh, no, I, I'm a Johorian. Johorian? Johorian, but I never grew up in Johor. I was grew up in, uh, brought up in Brunei. Brunei? Yeah, because my parents uh, have a job in uh, Brunei. I see. So I, I grew up there till I was uh, 16. Then I moved on to KL. Uh, till now. Then how and why was the fitness center set up in Miri? Were you based well, in Miri? I was a banker in uh, Miri. I yeah. see you were banker yeah, in Miri. So yeah. when you set up the fitness center, mm. were you still working as a banker and while owning the fitness center? Uh, not really. I was in the midst of uh, getting out from the bank already, sure. and I'm uh, looking uh, for the investors from the bank. Sure. That are my clients. Ah. So they invest in together to set up the fitness center. I see. So you yeah. work together with the investors who you were relationship manager to. <laughs> you killed many birds, right? <laughs> so I think there's a good lesson for a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. So become a banker, become a relationship manager and have investors that you can actually work with that could be you serving them at the same time them investing into the businesses that you have, yeah. right? Yeah. So that would be a good strategy. I think that's something that we can all learn from Vincent over here. Now, after that, then you sold the business. Mm -hmm. uh, is it wise to expand? express or tell people here how much you sold the business for so that you had the fund to then come to Kuala Lumpur to sell out F&B? Enough uh, funds for me to survive in uh, KL here. In KL uh, here. And to set up a small outlets. I see. <laughs> My understanding that Myeondong was set up in Sunway Pyramid. It was yep. a small little kiosk, very right? Small kiosk. Very, very small. Yeah, very small. Now, before I even go to that Sunway Pyramid, the first kiosk that you set up, how did you even have this idea of this Topoki? And why this particular street food? How did that idea come about? Right, uh, probably I'll ask a couple of questions. Sure. Uh, when, you, when you think about burger, sure. what do you think about? McDonald's. McDonald's. When you think about coffee? Starbucks. Starbucks. When you think about Taiwan street food? Shilin. When you think about Korean street food? Uh, you usually would think Korean. I, I personally, <laughs> personally, I, like, I don't eat uh, starchy stuff, uh -huh. right? I, I like uh, chicken wings and I like Korean uh -huh. uh, chicken wings and chicken stuff. Uh -huh. That's what I think about. Okay. I don't think about topoki. If, if you look at uh, Korean street food, sure. right? Definitely, there's no one of the brands that's dominating the region. I see. So from there, we, we saw a market, a uh, niche market where we can be tapping onto. It's just like we can be the household name for sure. Korean street food. Because we don't talk about uh, barbecue or fried chicken, there sure. will be an another category. Sure. So from there, we venture into this uh, category. It's more of like you said, a business uh, point of view. Yeah, it's very personal <laughs> point of view because you are speaking as though it's like a niche. It was uh -huh. a targeted group. Uh, the way you're thinking, did this come from your business study or it came from you being cheated in, uh, being uh -huh. cheated as an entrepreneur from your USB, the kind of lessons that you went through? I would say entrepreneurship is more of an insight thing because uh, when I was young, right, I do like to sell things and uh, do this type of uh, business things. I would say it's more of an insight, uh, things you, are, you like to do it. So you yeah. either have it or you don't? I, that's for me. That's for you? Yeah, because some, some, some other people, like, they like to be a doctor. Sure. They like to, to, to invent things. They like to uh, research on things. Sure. That's inside them. But if you force them to do something that they don't like, they can be that profession. 
but they cannot excel in it. I see. Uh, that, okay. That's what I, I think. I see. Yeah. Okay. So you decided then, if you want to think about something to dominate a particular niche, then you decided mm -hmm. that it's a street food mm -hmm. that is Korean. Mm -hmm. It's not something that is very strong in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. uh, chicken and barbecue is a totally different <laughs> thing. And most of the time, yeah, you think about barbecue, you think about Korean, right? Yeah. But street food, you don't have that in particular. Yeah. Now, we also know that culturally, certain products just don't go well in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. How did you know that topoki, something very starchy in, this, in that way, mm -hmm. how did you think that that would work in the Malaysian culture? Uh, actually, it doesn't work. Oh, when, it doesn't when work? When we launched uh, Myeongdong Topoki in uh, Samui Pyramid, we really faced a crisis. Okay. Our sales is uh, extreme low. The, the markets did not really uh, uh, welcome this product because it's like, like you said, it's very starchy. Sure. We, we don't consume these type of things. So from there, how do we, how do we move up from that particular spot of us? Because we are selling just street food like Topoki, Kimali, Mandu. We, we don't consume this every day. Yep. So we face a one-year very critical situation where we are like owing suppliers funds, we are owing renters, uh, can't even go to sleep. Okay. Uh, so from there, we look out what do we consume every day. So as a Malaysian, we consume rice, we consume meat, yep. we consume soup. Sure. So from there, we innovate into few dishes of value meals where we have the dobak, sure. the rice where we put the meat on top, and we have the ramyuns, that's sure. the meat. Then we have the soup, there's the jjigae. Sure. So from there, we started to gain the momentum from the crowd. They come to eat during the lunch time. Then from there, they will test and try our topoki. I see. Then from there, only topoki picks up. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So it took almost a year. Of two, years. two years. Two years for Topoki to pick up. Yes. And that's exactly what you did as an entrepreneur. You had to know exactly what the market is responding to. Yes. And the market was not responding to your Topoki for almost two years. Yes. And you had to figure out how to survive. Now, and that was based on asking customers or just trial and error throughout the whole entire process mm. to get the ramen, the jjigae and things like that. It's more of a market survey and a market understanding. Sure. Because... I myself is a Malaysian. If I like, I daily I consume rice, meat and noodles and soup. I believe uh, most Malaysians do that and my sure. friends do that. Sure. And I look at the restaurants, people consume that. So from there, we understand what, what the market really needs. So yeah. from this standpoint right now, after six years now? Yeah, six years. And you have 26 operating another mm -hmm. uh, 14 more, I understand, is being built? Uh, we have a pipeline of uh, 20 coming soon. 20 coming soon? Yeah, coming soon, under renovation. Under renovation. Yeah. And the concept is all based on kiosk kind of approach or you're actually setting up mm. outlets in the shopping malls or even in shop lots and things like that? We started as a kiosk in Pyramid. Sure. But now we expand Pyramid to a 2,000 square feet. Wow. 2,005 is one of our largest uh, outlets we sure. have. And we do launch uh, this uh, express uh, format so we can grow in a faster pace sure. and, uh, because uh, like said uh, topoki and street food is already uh, welcomed by the markets already so we are able to launch this uh, small kiosk sure yeah so from a standpoint of the market do you think that after two years mm -hmm. there are players in the market who have sort of imitated your brand of products and food and uh, potentially you look at them as your competitors I don't. I don't really look at them as a competitors. I look at them as a, as a something which uh, which we we are successful. That's why there's uh, things that come in the market that's replicate the same thing. Sure. And definitely, there's a lot of brands that that pops up uh, in Times Square, 
Uh, I love Topoki, some of the brands like sure. that. But I, I, I wish them all the best and I really do hope they can be successful also because this market can never be dominated by one person or one brand. Sure. Uh, yeah, all the best. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, it's always good to uh, have entrepreneurs welcome competition yeah. to spur us to do better yeah. and to play a better game, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, That's fantastic. True. Now, out of all these outlets over here, is it 100% owned by your own company or is franchise out to franchisees to grow it for the brand itself? We, we have 30% uh, owned by ourselves and 70% owned by franchisee. Okay. And we have been approached by a couple of uh, PE firms and they are investing in us to propel us to uh, have a more uh, stronger corporate standpoint so we can uh, move towards a listing in the coming two years. Sure. Yeah. So it's targeted to list in the coming two years. Yes. And I understand that on, on average, each outlet is selling about 1,000 bowls. Is that correct? Yeah, roughly there. Roughly there, right? So when we're looking at about 10 ringgit per bowl on average per, per spend, mm -hmm. that's going to be pretty good revenue per outlet. Still, still, still doing good. Still doing well, <laughs> huh? Yeah. And if you look at competition between the other street food, okay. I mean, you would have your I Love Topoki, you have your Korean street snacks, mm -hmm. then of course you have your Taiwan street snacks, mm -hmm. which I see it as very hot and popular among also the young people. Yeah. Now, I understand that you have also gotten your, uh, your halal, mm -hmm. your halal certification. Mm -hmm. Is that the direction of the business is to serve a more Muslim community? I would say halal is not something that is uh, just serving purely Muslim community because halal is something which is uh, very strict. It really controls the quality of the food. So as a non-Muslim, we, we, when we consume a halal product, right, it's uh, deemed to be safe to eat and it's under very high jurisdiction of control. So sure. there's a trust in there. Sure. That's how I portray it. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with the halal. A lot of people mm. think it's just not serving pork, but yeah. it's actually a lot of hygiene, control, quality stand. <laughs> much, much more than that. More, more, more than uh, that. But the question then again is, are the non-Muslims educated on the need or the necessity for a halal? Because we Chinese or uh -huh. non-Muslim eat just about anything. I mean, the whole entire Wuhan case is, uh -huh. uh, don't talk about eating topoki, we are eating bats, you know? Okay. I mean, with the head or the face of the bat looking at you, it's so disgusting. Yet, <laughs> we non-Muslims eat those things. So, is that really needed for a market that is not Muslim? I, I will leave that to the education uh, area where they educate the people on what is uh, right and what is wrong. From our standpoint, we will be, because we are in the F&B line, so we believe in quality and uh, all these uh, regulations to make sure our food is safe and healthy to consume. Therefore, we are moving towards uh, this direction. Uh, the rest of education, I'll pass it to the education people. <laughs> <laughs> so from a standpoint of uh, marketing or promoting a F&B outlet or F&B business itself, yeah. what do you do to differentiate yourself from the whole entire market? Ah, so, sorry, can you... How, as an F&B mm -hmm. practitioner and also an F&B entrepreneur, okay. what do you do to differentiate a market to promote your business? Oh, okay. How do we differentiate? Yeah. All right. Uh, if you look at restaurants, right, when you enter into restaurants in the 80s, the 90s, even the 2000s, right, you, you, you just only see four walls and you'll be seated down and you'll be dining and you can't see what is happening in the kitchen and what's, what's going on around. You'll be just looking at your, your parties, uh, dining in and serving you the food. Right? But the whole market changes when it comes to social media where people like to take pictures, uh, post it online and things like that. So from there, we look at how we're going to make our outlet an art and make it able to communicate with our clients when they enter. So we position our kitchen to be open so you can see every, 
every chef uh, they are cooking it's just like art when you look into that and uh, the millennials they love to take pictures of that and they love to take pictures of nice food nice food and uh, post it on social media sure and that's how we differentiate ourselves okay yeah. do you think these are all in chinese called am gong it just <laughs> so happened that culture because a lot of successful entrepreneurs once they achieve a significant uh -huh. success uh, somehow or another they have a story to tell but a lot of times it's just like am gong it's just so happened uh, you made it work you know i would say luck uh, is just around 10 percent you really need to work very hard and very persistent because uh, normally as a individual we easily give up and uh, if we don't give up and we persistently move towards it then the success will come no matter if you are a swimmer uh, athletic or you are doing any field it's all about persistency yeah. so it was very painful the first one year oh, then it definitely. took very painful to the point of not being able to pay for renter for sunway pyramid right yep. and also your suppliers did they not kick you out and also what did you have to we, do we are in the midst of getting kicked out already in the midst <laughs> of getting kicked out and did you have to get more funds coming from the investors the relationships that you built through your banking did you what did you have to do to survive past that period all right there, there's a belief that when there's a hole right you don't dip deeper sure because if let's say there's a hole and you get more funds coming in you just be digging yourself deeper into the hole sure. and you can't come out from there sure so it's either you think of somewhere for you to generate a revenue into profit or you just move on to the next thing means but, cut your losses yeah, and close it down so how close were you in shutting down Myeondong uh, Topoki? it's as close as uh happens really because we're receiving calls uh, asking us to vacate sure. asking us uh, the lawyer letters is coming okay. <laughs> and this type of things is, is already there okay <laughs> so what was the turning point that caused it to be able to survive and flourish to today what was that turning point because you mentioned earlier on that uh, you changed the products uh -huh. uh, that was more suitable for the market but i'm sure there was a turning point where from getting all the lawyers letter the the lod's letter demands get out of this place what was that turning point all right there is definitely one turning point that we did right and i will only disclose it when we went for listing so ah. there will be a second interview session i believe very good <laughs> definitely we'll have you back to answer on that so that a lot of people can actually benefit from right. that itself yeah, right thank you very good and of course a lot of challenges a lot of successes that has achieved through the last six years mm. over here now, I'm sure you have failed a lot in these last six years. A lot yeah. of people always think and think that because you're sitting here means you have achieved the success. Mm -hmm. And as you grow bigger in the next phase of going for listing, you're going to go through another series of all these yes. challenges and yes. failures. Yes. What would be the biggest failure to date as an entrepreneur for yourself? The biggest failure is to uh, keep my team from day one till today because uh, there's a lot of uh, people that uh, always uh, give up and they felt uh, very stressed out because in entrepreneurship when you push the business forward even the team with you right they will felt intense pressure and a lot of times they will be thinking like oh, i would just not this is not my things sure. i'll just move out from there so if i if i were to uh, improvise on one of these right i would love to keep the people who is with me from the day one till today but things happen sure right so people come people go. people come people go and of course your job is to make sure you do everything you possibly can to grow it further yep. so that those who still stay with you would then be flourishing with you as well right yep. okay very good now 
what's the way forward for Myodong Topoki? You have very given us a hint uh-huh. into going for listing within the next two years. How many outlets do you need to achieve for that IPO and what do you plan to do after the IPO? Do you say, mm-hmm. sayonara, I'm done, I cash out, I got my money and <laughs> I'm going to be done with this uh, almost killed me in the beginning of the first year? What is the plan? It's never about cash out because uh, when we bring a business forward, right, we'll be thinking about how we expand the business into a stronger fundamental corporate region. So it's never about cashing out. Sure. So what is the big vision for Myodong Topoki? What's the brand going to do? Is there going to be brand extensions? Is it going to be having other street food? Uh, other so, so something, so this, so that? Okay. Or what, what's the next big plan after that? We are not going to have a lot of brands under our arm. We are going for more of a vertical integration. Sure. Where we'll be looking into a stronger factory setup and uh, more of a Myodong Topoki brands like MDT Kape, MDT Express, MDT drive Through. These are things that we are doing. We are not going to have like 10 brands, different brands like that. I believe that we cannot be focused. We are like, because every brand, they have their own identity, their own DNA, their own marketing things, their own uh, innovation and things like that. I believe a person, we cannot uh, too focus on too many things unless you are just an investor. Sure. Would there be a big challenge for you to take it further? Because number one, you're not Korean. Mm -hmm. There will be someone, I'm sure, who want to deep, I would say they call it they want to deposition you. What does Malaysian know about Korean street snacks? Right. I mean, you get all these big Korean conglomerates, F&B, they're going to yeah. come in and say, you're not even Korean. <laughs> what do you know about Korean street snacks? I mean, we are Koreans. We should be telling you how to run this business. Yeah. We, we do receive a lot of uh, these uh, from the conglomerates from Korea that they come over, they want to purchase over Myeong Tupoki. And there's a couple of reasons for that because if we did went to Korea before, you, you can't really see the concept of uh, Myeon Topoki in Korea. Most of them is like traditional dining, no matter it's a Nobu or any other big brands, right? They are just uh, a restaurants, dining restaurants, and they serve it this way. Just like in Malaysia, do we have a fast food nasi lemak? No, we don't. We serve it in kopitiams, we serve it in restaurants. Uh, that's what difference of uh, Myeon Topoki towards them. We are fast casual and we are rejecting all their offers. And we are open up to only, uh, at the moment, it's a Malaysian PE firm company to invest only. Sure. That's to protect our stand on that. I see. So you're not concerned that another player, similar like you, that's going to be interested to sell Mm -hmm. to a Korean conglomerate and then be able to deposition you as number one player right now? I I believe uh, as uh, having competitors is a healthy thing for us to keep innovating ourselves because if let's say we are in a comfort zone, we definitely will not be innovating anymore and we welcome that. And also our fundamentally is uh, very uh, stable at the moment and we believe that we can strive through that. Okay, so what's next for Vincent Luo? As far as an entrepreneur, not just with the Myeongdong brand, what is next for you as an entrepreneur? Is it going just for planning for this listing only or do you have any other business plans in the pipeline? I never think too much of myself because I don't have the luxury to do that because uh, most of my time is uh, thinking about how to move this business forward. So like I said, even I went for holidays, I'm, I'm being stressed out already. Sure. And from that point, I do not want to go to any holidays that, that have beach already. <laughs> okay. So a beach holiday is definitely not a holiday for you. Yeah. Being in Malaysia and looking to expand the brand itself is probably something more exciting more for you. For more relaxing for yeah. you. And understand that you're targeting to Indonesia next yeah. because it's a Muslim-driven country. Mm-hmm. And do you already have your first outlet there? 
Yeah, we are opening our first outlet on March, uh, coming April. Sure. Uh, that's our first outlet. It's the first yeah. outlet in Indonesia. Yeah. Is it also the first outlet out of Malaysia? Yes, first outlet Would of Would there be an outlet in Brunei where you grew up? Brunei. Brunei, definitely, we, we love that market. Yeah, if there is uh, any uh, chance that we can open there, definitely we will, we will do our best in that. Sure. Yeah. You've been watching the Ernie Chan Show live. If you've not shared and tagged and let everyone know, you are watching the Ernie Chan Show live. And today, I have Vincent Luar, the founder, CEO of Myeondong Topoki. And of course, the story tells a lot about the person himself as an entrepreneur. Now, we're coming to the end of the show. And of course, the third segment is always about you having some wise words and lessons as an entrepreneur for our audience over here who are entrepreneurs and also want to be entrepreneurs. What are some wise words of the lessons that you have learned that you could actually share with these entrepreneurs over here? I will put it in one word, it's uh, persistent. You need to be very persistent in order for you to achieve something. Okay, yep. so persistency yep. actually is what gets, sometimes you don't need to be that smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> you just need to be persistent yes. enough because you also didn't think you were too smart in the first uh, year, no. <laughs> in the first year itself and almost died. So a lot of people always think that you need to have a lot of brains, but I think the EQ is more important than the IQ mm -hmm. or just staying with it, yep. right? That's true. Very good. Thank you very much, Vincent Lua, for being here with us Thank this you, more afternoon yeah. over here. And of course, most Thank you for watching and listening to the Ernie Chan Show. Don't forget to like and follow my FB page every single day. And of course, stay tuned every Thursday at 12.30pm where I'll be watching you live.